Well, guys, I want to thank you for tuning in to the Youth and Culture podcast, where youth ministry and culture collide. I'm your host, Ryan Sebastian, and I am joined with my co-host, David Pinkham. Boy, it has been a while since we're either not busy, not sick, not tired, or something has kept us from recording. We're finally together again. <laughs> I know. It's, uh, okay, so we, for the... For, uh, we were supposed to do an episode uh, a week before Thanksgiving, remember yeah. correctly? Mm-hmm. Okay, so try to release an episode then. Of course, life happens. We're in ministry, guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, just like you, life happens, ministry happens, couldn't get it together. Try to do it at uh, the beginning of Thanksgiving week. Of course, life, family, couldn't get it then. So I was like, forget it. We're <laughs> back to it uh, after Thanksgiving. Uh, so we're back in the mix, mm-hmm. ready to, uh, to start an- another episode, and I'm, I'm excited as we're getting to closer to a close of 2022. Dude, I can't believe 2022 is almost over. I know. I know it's, it's wild. Think about, okay, almost two years in COVID. Yeah, yeah. almost two years of COVID. <laughs> a, a year of- Trigger reco- warning. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a year of recovering from COVID. And how long since two weeks to flatten the curve? <laughs> Sorry, somebody just had a PTSD episode. <laughs> I've been um, locked locked in your houses, couldn't get out. Mm. You can go shopping. Dude, the by the time that- people listen to this episode, um, let's see. Um, it will be one, two, three. It'll be four more days till my youngest turns one when we release the episode. That's wild. Uh-huh. <laughs> number seven will be one. Actually, yeah, technically here, number eight, but you know what yeah, I mean. My youngest here in the co- next couple of weeks turns eight. Wow. And um, my other, my oldest son, uh, next May, this coming May, is turns 11. Man. So it'd be, it'd be a preteen. So that, I consider that, the again, I consider that a benchmark of time to have the sex conversation in a little more detail. <laughs> Stay tuned for a future episode. <laughs> yes, yes. There we're anyway, gonna we're gonna record that conversation. And I'm kidding. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> my my wife would have a cow if we did. Oh, that. speaking of wife's having cows, um, I'm kidding. This doesn't have anything to do with it. I found a marriage tip online. I'd like to share with everybody who's married out there. It says your wife will never start a fight while you're cleaning. That, there, <laughs> well, that there's some truth to that statement now some 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 real deep truth to that question to that little statement i mean oh uh, i'm ready for christmas man how about you absolutely and for those of you who are all about christmas go back in our backlog and listen to last year's episode that we did it says tell the truth don't lie yes um again we're not again that the whole entire episode, we talk about Christmas. We're talking about the idea of telling the truth, not lying when it comes to your students and what mm-hmm. that looks like. Yep. Um, 
Spoiler alert. Again, it's bring, it brings up that conversation of, of how do you handle uh, Santa Claus in youth ministry and student mm-hmm. ministry? How do you handle that? Uh, again, no, we don't want to make this episode all about that. So go ahead and go backlog, listen, don't yep. uh, speak truth, don't lie. But that conversation is being brought up again in some in youth ministry circles of yeah. should, should, how should I handle that? Should I uh, not not talk about <laughs> biblically what this is and, and biblically what Christmas is about? And, or and should I talk historically who St. Nicholas is or should I not? Yeah, uh, I still think it's kind of funny that as of this recording, that's our fifth most, most popular episode. It is. It, it's insane <laughs> to think about that episode, which I thought was going to be a flop. Let's just be honest. I, I thought it was going to be a flop. A great conversation, and and but I did not think it would be as popular as, as it has become uh, this year. It's one of our top ep- all time episodes. Mm-hmm. It's one of our top five. Um. For those of you who are listening, thank you for listening to the episode, but go back and listen to it again as a reminder of how to kind of introduce it, this season of Santa Claus. And can you apply this to things like Easter Bunny, stuff like that? That's actually, it's sad. It's really sad, but this, these, these things that extra biblical things are, well, extra biblical, non biblical things are seeping into church. And as truth. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> we have to tell kids the truth about Santa Claus, the Easter Bunny, Queen of England. And if you get that reference, kudos. <laughs> it's such yeah. a funny movie. <laughs> yes, it is. But anyway, so this, again, David, we were cursing with this episode. We kind of wanted to um, kind of tag team and, and tag along to the conversation that with Chad Higgins in our previous episode, episode mm-hmm. 90. Um, talking about farming, I, right? Maybe we maybe. said something about silos earlier. Yeah, I did. We're talking <laughs> about silos. Um, but this this conversation of the future, what the future of youth ministry is, mm-hmm. what I believe, and and again, David, I be, you believe this as well. What the future of youth ministry is, how it's not, it it's not what it is now. Mm-hmm. And that's not where it should should be the next twenty years, and that's this idea of of youth ministry for is let's let's just be honest whether it's Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, whenever you do youth programming, mm-hmm. just being a replica, uh, similar replica of what a Sunday morning normal church gathering is in a sense of large gathering worship message uh the only thing we've added in, in youth ministry realms is a game for fun and maybe small groups tacked at the end mm-hmm. that's the only thing that's changed it, it again it's it's the silo mentality part of it but it's the just a replica of the same things we've been doing uh since like the 1940s and 50s with organizations like young life and others it's the same thing over and over and over again and there really hasn't been a whole lot innovation in the realm of youth ministry, um, it really has. There's been, like, I, I believe, again, those of you are listening, and David, you can correct me too, if you, but I don't see it. I don't see a lot of really big innovation in the realms of really reaching students within your, your church, the church realms. Yeah, well, I think that's partially because the solutions that have been found right now were 
and and this I don't know if this sounds rude, but they're good enough. <laughs> that's yeah. that's how that that's how I think it's kind of been perceived. Now I think, and we've mentioned this before in the podcast before, but um, <clears throat> we're we're coming out of uh, what what we're we're in the middle of a transition period. Um, and and when I say transition period, I don't mean like a few weeks or a few months or a year or two. I'm talking like decades of transition. And the transition period that we're in the middle of is the death of big fun and the rise of something eternal, something significant, something bigger than themselves that we're calling our students to. Um, but the shift that's been happening away from big fun, as far as like the primary focus of what we do, um, it, it's not transitioning to uh what it's what we're trying to shoot for as far as the programming side of things like uh, when you mentioned the the mini church service model that we kind of use with student ministry with the worship and the lesson and then the small group timer game or something that that's i think i think we're in the transitional period because that's what's going to work until we figure out what will last permanently Mm -hmm. and the future of youth ministry and student ministry as we probably should be shooting for is is not where we're at right now but i think we're pointed in the right direction because the reason um how do i explain this the reason that youth ministry became a thing as it is now is because something was not happening the way it should have been and a hole was created and that hole got filled by youth ministry and youth pastors and so as the youth pastors have stepped into that role and we have tried to figure out how to minister to students and their families, it's given rise to this kind of ache in our hearts that there's something missing of what we're trying to do, and we haven't been able to pinpoint it, and I think we're starting to finally pinpoint it. Yeah, and 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 I, again, I've, we've, we've shared this many, many times, because it's, it's going to sound like a broken record when I say this, <laughs> but the to me, the ultimate future of what youth ministries should be is revolved around parents mm-hmm. revolved around parents again again uh how this looks like methods of doing this can be different from church to church ministry from ministry but the holistic idea is actually pouring into parents mm-hmm. discipling parents so they can effectively disciple their kids and we don't wait until youth ministry. By the way, there's a side note: you don't wait until all of a sudden the kids come, the parents come to your to youth ministry for you to start doing this. No, you start before uh, conception. Exactly. So, so it, 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 exactly. So it has to be a holistic mm-hmm. church mentality of discipleship. Yep. And youth ministry is just a part of that holistic mentality. And uh, again, right now. Um, and I'll just use uh, for our ministry as an example. Again, we're not perfect. I don't got to figure it out. I'm, I'm learning just looks like you're learning, David, mm-hmm. that those of you listening are learning. I'm in the process of learning, trying to figure this out, how to make this effective and making sure our parents are being discipled and our parents understand that they need to replicate that to their kids mm-hmm. in discipleship and teaching, not only just disciple them, but also teaching them how to disciple others. A yeah. replicative mindset of discipleship, and so me, just me and my, my kids, pastor here at our church, we're, we're meeting together and we're we're trying to figure this out, figure the gaps of of merging our mentality of our ministries together, 
remove silos as much as possible, mm-hmm. joining together, doing family type of services that goes to both from kids to students, serving missions, overseas mission, uh, missions, domestic missions, mm-hmm. joining those gaps together, but also uh, finding ways of disciple, making sure our parents are being discipled from the minute they become parents. Okay, and up until students and finding different ways of, of doing that as their kids become teenagers. So it starts in birth, the kids being in birth, young parents, new parents, all the way to seasoned parents of how do we, how do the steps and processes of doing that. Um, this, just like right now, we're, we're doing, utilizing, like, of course, we're utilizing Parent Partner LifeWay for students, which is a great tool, by the way, mm-hmm. for those of you um, who want to look for something good to find ways to put in the hands of your parents for them to have spiritual conversations, help them with that, that process of having spiritual gospel conversations with the kids. Parent Partner is an awesome resource, uh, but we're actually taking that and Again, I've, I've had the conversations with guys at Lifeway, uh, permission for us to do this. Uh, we're actually rewriting it, part of it, for kids. Oh, cool. And, ha- and having a holistic mindset from, from kids all the way to students, helping parents. We're providing parent, we're going to be parent huddles. Uh, parents come together from all ages from, from, for the kids, mm-hmm. have encouragement, praying over each other. Um, all these little things, again, again, we're in the process, like I said, we're in the process of learning, mm-hmm. but the fact is, is that we're being proactive as, as a church the best we can as we're learning through this process of trial and error mm-hmm. as we're trying to disciple our parents. Yeah, one of the things that we do, because um, we our church is partnered with Word of Life, um, we have a parent connection that's attached to each lesson that I teach. So on Sunday nights, when we have our main gathering, I teach through the lesson. We have small groups, you know, your mini church service. And <laughs> um, and then on Mondays, I email parents with updates and, um, you know, kind of the, that excitement about how things went the night before and if anything significant went on. And then I attach the, a thing called a parent connection. And that gives them the main gist of the lesson, the main passages of scripture, some things to discuss with their kid that were related to what went on last night. And I've had multiple parents tell me, thank you for sending those because it lets me know what they're learning, but it also allows me to engage in intelligent conversation with them, uh, which is also why we encourage parents to um, subscribe to the culture translator from access.org. Not sponsored, by the way, um, <laughs> but it's one of those things where it's a resource that will allow the parents to engage themselves in the conversations and in the spiritual discussions with their students. Because I think one of the things that you kind of hit on there while you were uh, talking, Ryan, was the fact that um, this desire that we have, uh, and and I'll say me and you, but I know there's other youth pastors out there too that have it, the desire we have to, to help parents um, and model it for them is coming from a place where we've recognized that for decades the uh, discipleship got farmed out. And so now parents that are being told you're the primary disciples of your students are looking at us like, okay, but no one ever showed me how, so I don't know what I'm doing. I know how to provide for them and put food on the table. I know how to put clothes on their back. I don't know how to explain the virgin birth, the Trinity, the creation, six days. I don't know how to explain the substitutionary sacrifice of Jesus. I don't, 
I mean, and they don't have to, you know, they don't have to explain like super intricate doctrinal stuff to their kids, but even something as simple as making Jesus a part of the normal, um, I know this is a crass way of putting it, but a part of the mundane conversations mm-hmm. of life and, and mundane is not the right word, but the, the norm, the, the Deuteronomy six kind of stuff where it's just, it's just, if you get punched in the stomach, Jesus comes out your mouth kind of stuff. Um, it, Parents were never taught how to do that because there's a generation of parents coming through now that that discipleship got farmed out to the, quote, professionals mm-hmm. who for multiple decades have been a bunch of young idiots that don't know what we're doing and think we know everything. <laughs> <laughs> With a few veterans who've been doing youth ministry for about 50 years <laughs> sprinkled in there for good measure. Yeah. Yeah, you, you brought you brought up a good point that, that I kind of want to us uh, could kind of camp on a little bit, but um, you kind of mentioned conversation or communication rather of what you're teaching, communicating that the parents, mm-hmm. and at the same time providing resources mm-hmm. with what you're teaching to help the parents have conversations. Yep, with the kids. Um, that that is that is a great mentality for for you could do this. It doesn't matter what. Uh, curriculum you're using, you're using a curriculum or you're preaching things on your own, which by the way, if you're doing things on your own, please have a scope and sequence where you have an idea of where you're going. Uh, that's a big plus. Don't fly blind. Uh, yeah, don't fly blind because uh, you wouldn't have a direction, but uh, just spending a little extra time uh, sitting on an email uh, with what you're teaching that, that week with questions you can ask your kids uh, with the passes you're going over, all that little detail is valuable for parents. Um, but I would go the even step further and ask, okay, that these things are great to provide for parents. The next I would ask is, have you communicated the value of this for their home? Mm. Uh, of actually taking the, uh, these emails you're sending out, the this texts you're sending out, or, or pieces of paper in your hand, whatever ways you utilize communication for, if you're doing parent type stuff like this, right. have you communicated the value and the importance and, and cast a vision of, of where this can lead, help lead for your kids spiritually? Mm-hmm. Um, because that to me, that is just as equally as valuable and important than send, as sending in emails. With, with questions and, and trying to spark spiritual uh, conversation. And to be honest with you, and I'm going to be totally transparent, this is something that I have not been good at. I'm just going to be honest. <gasps> I, 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 <laughs> kind of came, yeah, absolutely. <gasps> I'm not personal either. But it, and I came to this realization uh, this year, uh, the school year, is that Yes, I'm providing these this resources. Parent partner, by the way, like I said, parent partner. I've been utilizing parent partner since its inception. Mm-hmm. Okay, since it started, I've been utilizing it. I've been sending to parents, uh, but I don't think I've done a good job of communicating the value of it and and casting a vision of where this could potentially help you in the discipleship process and your kids spiritually. Okay, so um, how? How yeah. how do you think that should be communicated? The value part. Well, again, this is where it's different by context, uh, church culture. So it does shift a little bit. But one thing that, that, for instance, one thing that 
I'm doing, mm-hmm. me and our kids pastor, because we're doing this together, be a holistic ministry when it comes to parents. Um, we're actually, we're, we're going to be doing this from the pulpit, mm-hmm. part of it. Uh, part of it is we're going to have a, we're having a major church-wide parent meeting. Okay. Uh, that's going to be in our service. It's going to be a large meeting. Uh, us going in value and cast a vision on this and the importance of it. Um, how this can help you in the process of helping you in discipleship, your kids, all that, all that communication there as well. We're looking at the next thing for constant communication, because again, you get your major communication, then you need constant communication. And the constant communication is, uh, is also going to be done through uh, avenue of email, text, uh, also uh, quarterly parent huddles. So I talked about a little bit earlier of us coming together seeing where we're at uh, with this, how things are going, how can we pray for each other, where are we struggling as parents? Um, and just really in, in, in that sense, what I would consider really being the church, because uh, we, we get this idea of this concept of church as gathering together, sitting in a pew or a seat, facing a stage, listening to someone preach or teach, which is not a bad thing. That part is not bad, but that is our, a lot of times our vision of what church is. It's not bad unless that's all you do. Correct. But I think a lot of people's mindsets that that's what church is. That's all it is. Um, when a reality church is about gospel community, not just community, Gospel community, the difference between the two, in my eyes, when I define it, mm-hmm. when I define it is, is uh, com- community is seen as just hanging out, okay? Hanging out, barbecuing. Around some uh, common theme. Yeah, which is fine. Fellowship is great. It's awesome. Community is awesome. Mm-hmm. But, when, but gospel community is what the church is about, and that's mm-hmm. gathering together on the mission of encouraging, lifting up each other spiritually. Yeah. Um, it's life-giving. Yes, and, and, and dive into God's Word. That could be part of it. Um, it's, and, but it's much more than just opening God's Word. It's, it's encouraging each other spiritually, praying over each other, um, all of that involved in it. So, so when I'm talking about gospel community, uh, difference between community and gospel community, that's, that's what I mean. Mm-hmm. And that's the goal of the whole parent huddle is it to be gospel community of encouragement, lifting each other up in prayer, um, even a sense as parents confessing sin to one another, um, as part of encouraging and praying over each other. That's my Dude, That's a vision. corner of the deep end that most people don't even want to go near. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's the vision that we, it's the vision that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know, and we know that it takes time to change culture. Yep. Uh, it, we understand that, but that's the the vision we have with it. Yeah, I th- I think you're right. I mean, look, if you want community, there's a Discord server out there for you. But if you want gospel community, it happens in the church. And and there's one aspect of this that you you, you hinted at, but you didn't say it directly um, when it comes to communicating the value. Um, I think um, all of those methods are valid and should be utilized depending on your context. So if you have parents that never check their text messages, don't use that. Um, I don't think I've ever met someone who doesn't. 
um, other than Brian Edwards, but JC Groves gives him enough uh, grief about that. (laughs) Um, But I think one of the other ways that you can do it is on a, on a weekend and week out basis on the ministry visits on the Sunday morning passing in the hallway conversations is is that face to face conversation with the parents. Mm -hmm. And, Whenever you have church-wide events where the church gathers together for something other than just the normal worship service, um, those those different areas of that face-to-face interaction, I think, is extremely important. Because as nice as it is to be able to communicate via email or um, Facebook Messenger or texting or Instagram direct messaging or even video chatting, um, we were built by God in a way that brings the most significance from in-person face-to-face interaction. And um, I'm never probably going to ever let that go um, because I think that's how we were made. Um, And even if you're an introvert and that absolutely terrifies you, um, there are certain aspects of ministry that if you signed up for it, you're going to have to get over it, that you're going to have to interact with people face-to-face. And there are ways to do that without killing yourself. Um, I know that social settings can really drain introverts. I married one. And so, um, I have to keep an eye on her when we're out in social gatherings to make sure that her battery doesn't hit a wall. (laughs) Um, and she married a closet introvert. So I thrive on crowds until I hit a wall for some reason. And then I just tank. So, (laughs) um, but there are ways to interact with people in a social setting and in the church setting on a week in and week out basis. That's going to allow you to engage in those more organic conversations with the parents to help them understand the importance and the value of the things that you're providing them through the emails and through the text and through the resources that you find them. And then the other one, um, is, uh, I'm I'm trying this. I'm kind of, I've got a dad that I'm, he's basically my guinea pig right now for this. I'm discipling a dad. Um, and yeah, he's older than me, but he just got saved like seven months ago. So as far as he's concerned, he's brand new and he doesn't know what he's doing. Um, he said that. <laughs> so he's playing catch up and, and boy, man, talk about a sponge. This guy is soaking everything up, but he's a new believer and he's excited. He's excited about leading his family. And so I'm doing what I can to point him to scripture uh, to point him to a biblical model of um, husbanding, of fathering, of manhood. Um, not, I'm not telling him, like, this is how I do it as an expert father myself. I don't really have the business to do that because I'm still trying to figure it out myself. But being, um, being the one that, I mean, you said this right near the beginning, I'm trying to model it with and for him. And that's allowing relationship to build. And it's allowing his our relationship to build so quickly and so firmly that his relationship with the Lord is skyrocketing and he is starting to drag other men with him. <laughs> I don't know if drag is the right word. Inspire? Let's use inspire. That sounds more holy. Uh, he's inspiring other men to, uh, to start questioning, what am I focusing on? What, what am I making the priority? Am I pushing my kids to be the best ball players in the world or am I pushing them to be followers of Christ? Is there a balance there? I think there can be. Um, but taking the time to invest in a dad, I've spent more time with this dad than I have with his daughter who's in the youth group and his son who is going to be in the youth group next year. Uh, I've spent way more time with him, but that is coming out in the fact that both of his kids have gotten saved. 
Um, they're both growing. They're both learning. They're both interested. Um, one of them invited a friend to an event we did and that friend got saved. And so it's, it's rippling out the way we want it to. You, you drop, look at it this way. All right. You're at a pond. You want to make waves. You want to make ripples. You're going to drop a pebble in, or you're going to drop one of those big, fat, huge rock things that make men super happy when they fall into water. It goes, (laughs) and then there's ripples everywhere. The dad is that big, huge, fat rock. The kids are the pebbles. All right. Get a big, fat, huge rock and make waves all the other, all the way to the other side of the pond using the dad. Uh, We've talked about this before. The statistics on if you can get a dad saved versus the mom or the kids Mm -hmm. first, and and the statistical likelihood of getting the rest of the family, if you get the dad first, is just astronomically higher than any other member of the family because God put this into place that the fathers would be head of the home, that we would be responsible for certain things, that mom would be responsible for certain things. And the way he has structured it is the way that it's naturally playing out. And even the way that our culture has twisted manhood and womanhood is naturally playing out to whatever righteousness has been called for in scripture. The exact opposite is happening in our culture because of the way that we're not fulfilling what we've been called to be. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I want to, I want to camp on that for just for a minute. I don't want to get too, because we can do a whole other podcast episode on this. Um, but yeah, I do agree that and this is the reason why parent discipleship is so necessary. It was necessary, period. But the importance of it now is tremendously higher than it was, in my opinion, 30 or 40 years ago. Uh, for the fact that uh, the family unit has been destroyed in some sense. Um, yep. You have single moms is through the roof, uh, with the dads are not in the picture. Um, you have you have uh, this idea of what manhood is, what culture is uh, is preaching, what manhood is, which is what not it's not the way God designed it. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with biblical womanhood; it's, it's the same. It's not the way God designed it. Uh, and again, the we, culture we, is preaching literally the exact opposite of the way God has designed it. Cor- correct, and that and that is seeped into church culture, uh, to church life. Um, and and to be honest with you, there, there, I don't know if if I don't know if us as a church, I'm just making big C here. Universal. Yeah, I don't know. Think we was particularly here in America, but mm-hmm. I don't think we've done a good job uh, of really not not again. You, there's two ends of the spectrum here. You, you're either pointing a finger and saying that almost demonizing. Or not demonizing, that's kind of a harsh, harsh language, but almost giving a picture of what womanhood is and saying, hey, you have, when you, for instance, uh, taking the, the verse out of context, was going to submit to your husband, taking that out of context to where women are almost seen as less. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the other side of the spectrum. The, the, that's one extreme. The, one extreme. The other extreme is, is the opposite of that is almost like, it doesn't matter. Men can act like women. You can dress like women. You can, or you can be women. one. <laughs> I, know, I know. I know. It's just, it's just yeah. insane. But, but that, that acceptance of both extremes is in the church. Well, okay. So what you're basically hitting at is that we've created a false dichotomy. 
And, Correct. And for some reason, we have fallen prey to the fact that we think, and I don't know who we is, so if you get mad at this, I'm talking about you. Um, we have decided that there can only be Westboro Baptist Church people or Lakewood people. <laughs> yes, without understanding of preaching the beauty of womanhood, biblical womanhood, biblical manhood, mm -hmm. why this is, is a beautiful picture of Christ and the church and, mm -hmm. and his bride, and how, how it all it is is a depiction for that, how marriage in itself is a beautiful depiction of that. It le it's a Christ-ordained, and it's actually a picture of God yeah. and Christ and His church. And that's actually, because if you think about it from a biblical standpoint, that when we, uh, when we all pass away, we all uh, go to heaven and the new earth, there is no thing, no thing as marriage. Mm -hmm. and, and, and Christ loosed this when he had a Pharisee kind of trick him into a question in the New Testament, but you, you heard he gives that answer that there is no marriage. Mm -hmm. um, and what this, what marriage is now is all it is, is a beautiful picture, mm -hmm. a momentary picture of what it's going to be like. It's a glimpse. In, of, in heaven, of the relational oneness, um, sexual oneness, the beauty of that and how, because sex is actually is a depiction of the ultimate pleasure of God that we're going to have one day. And all this is, Everything in marriage is a depiction of that, and and I don't think we do a good job as a church explaining that and preaching that, and 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 I think the the downfall of that, the result of mm -hmm. that, is that these two extremes have filtered our church, uh, filtered the churches mm -hmm. here in America, Western cultures particularly, um, and I and I think that that has seeped in when it comes to this idea of parent ministry or or discipling parents and the future of the church. I uh, see that's the reason why it's, this has become more necessary mm -hmm. because parents are falling into these two extremes. Well, because, see, so, so what you just hit on that, that's kind of the crux of the issue here. We're, we're trying to teach our students during youth group time. We're trying to teach our students what scripture says. This is what scripture says about subject ABC. Okay. So the examples that you've given about, um, sexual fidelity and, and the role of men and women in the home, that kind of thing, mom and dad. Okay. The problem that we've hit on and that we're starting to wake up to is the fact that we're teaching what the Bible says, and then our kids are going home and not seeing it lived. Correct. And it's not, I'm not going to give you, I'm not going to give parents an out necessarily. So go with it here, but they're not seeing it at home not be, not just because of the sinful nature of mom and dad, because we all have a sinful nature. That's the whole yeah. point of needing salvation is we're sinful. Um, they're they're not seeing it from mom and dad because mom and dad were never taught it or were never it was never never modeled for them. Um, my my church out in Roanoke when I was there, my wife came home one day and told me that she was standing somewhere. There's a group of people talking, mostly men of the church, and they were making those old ball and chain jokes. You know, we know who really wears the pants in this relationship, you know, kind of thing. They were kind of joshing. And um, one of the guys had said something about wanting to do something. He's like, well, I got to check with the boss first, you know, making a joke about how his wife is the boss. 
And um, I don't know if someone asked her or if she just piped up. I love my wife. She's amazing. Um, she was like, no, David's the head of our household. And they looked at her like she had three heads. And she was like, no, I, I mean, look, he values my input, which that's true. I do. Um, but she said, but he's the head of the home because that's what the Bible says. So he makes the final say on stuff, but he still asks for my input and he values it highly. And most of the time we end up agreeing anyway. So it's not really ever a fight, but that cultural concept of the domineering woman and the submissive man, uh, because we don't even know what the word submissive means or the word Mm -hmm. submit means like when you think about, let me finish this thought first. So that that has seeped into the culture of the church as well. And so we don't know how to address it without um, offending someone on accident. And the problem with that is uh, one of the issues is we don't even understand what the word submit actually means um, because we it's morphed from um, this concept uh, that we learn from Jesus's example of putting others above himself, Philippians 2, okay, um, treating others as better than yourself, serving, looking out for the interests of others. Um, Jesus himself being the ultimate example because he became obedient to the point of death on the cross. Um, all of that example given to us, that that submission being self-sacrificial love, for some reason over the course of the centuries, it, it's morphed from submission being self-sacrificial love into whatever the latest sleeper hold is on an MMA fight. That's not submission. That's dominance. (laughs) And that's not, we're not called. Look, you mentioned the verse about wives submitting to your husbands. Read the verse beforehand. Submit unto each other. (laughs) (laughs) I know, I know. And and, and then read the next few verses. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. What did Christ do for the church? He gave up his life for her. He submitted his life for her. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, uh, yeah, no, again, yeah, we're we're going over a little rabbit trail, Sorry. but it's a good, good rabbit trail. It's okay, and it's connected to this uh, for his parents. And again, when we're, when we're talking about the future ministry, how the future of, of youth ministry is is parents. When we say this, and we're talking about it, we're not ne- ne- neglecting uh, that there has to be an element. Like student ministry can never completely go away. There has to be uh, a ministry around just specifically students because of what we just said earlier of the rise of single parentness um, of the students who do not have uh, parents in the home that are believers. Uh, so all of that still needs to be an element of youth ministry, yeah. but the, the priority in your ministry has to be parents. Um, and, and again, like I said, what we, where we need to go as youth pastors as youth ministries across uh, the United States, across again, we got listeners all over the world uh, listening to this. Thank you, Slovenia. <laughs> but uh, w- the the change, the shift, has to be parents. Mm-hmm. And they're not the enemy. If in fact, if you want to see students growing in their faith mm-hmm. and having a faith that lasts, that's not superficial. Yeah. A faith that lasts. It, it starts with the parents investing in discipleship with their kids. Because here's the, here's the stark reality. They're in church, depending on what you do as a church for youth ministry or kids ministry, uh, about 50 to 70 hours a year. Okay? Mm-hmm. Maybe a little bit more, 
Again, that's not exact science, exact math, but maybe a little bit more than that. Give or take. Or a little less, but that's around there. Okay, it's depending on the stage of life a kid is in. Uh, you're looking at 1,500 to 2,000, give or take, hours per year with, with their parents. That Oof. is ridiculous difference between the two. And this is reason when I when I this is the reason why I, us as pastors, youth pastors, and youth and youth ministries, and and pastors across the board, uh, so it, if whether it's discipleship pastor, kids pastor, lead pastor, all of us need to understand that that should motivate what we do mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to the, the next generation of believers mm-hmm. who are the church, not they're going to be the church, they are the church. If you want to see them growing in their faith, it starts with their focusing on parents. Get dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, again, how we, how we do that and across different contexts is, will, will be different. Mm-hmm. But the, the main point and main foundation is this, that that has to be your priority. Yeah, and look, it, look there's, there's an aspect to this, and, and you've mentioned it already. Because of the way our culture has gone, we probably have some job security to an extent because of all of the single parents out there or the unsaved parents. Like Teenagers need spiritual parents, and if they're not mm-hmm. going to get it at home, then you need well-trained, caring, loving, uh, right-minded youth leaders to, to be there and step in somewhat to that role surrogately. But I don't think that's a word. Um, but our our attitude, I guess this is probably a better way of saying it. It's not what we should be shooting for as a goal, but our attitude as far as youth pastors is concerned is to invest, is is to put our energies into investing into the parents as well, maybe even more so than the kids, but put our energies into investing into the parents with the attitude of, I need to do this so well that I work myself out of a job at this church. Exactly. Um, because if I can get the parents up and running, then they don't need me here. And then Vody Bauckham is happy. Exactly. I've always said this uh, to any any youth pastor I've counseled or struggling with, with different things. But I, I say this a lot in exact same statement you just said. It's that your goal mm-hmm. as a youth pastor, as a student pastor, your goal should be to work yourself out of a job, knowing that that is a God-sized goal, but that should be your goal. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because the fact is, let's just be honest, the only reason what necessitated the, the, uh, the need for youth ministry uh, was the lack, uh, lacking of parents Two things really is the lack of parents really deciding their kids. Mm-hmm. Also, it's because of where culture is going to where the single parentness mm-hmm. um, that's only magnified since youth ministry was birthed. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just significantly higher. If and, and to your point, youth ministry is never going away. Yeah, I think uh, back in 2018, I was at a youth pastor conference and Sean McDowell came and spoke and he shared, I think it was Gen Z is the last generation that the nuclear family will be the statistical norm. Correct. Now I agree, I agree with that. Uh, everything you're seeing is saying that, and I absolutely agree with that, especially when you throw in uh, the LGBTQ transgender movement, you throw that into the mix 
it makes it significantly worse. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, again, as as we just want to encourage those of you who are listening, through, um, man, we we we're there right with, with you when it comes to figuring these things out. <laughs> Um, we we're not we're, trying to figure we're, out how to tell the truth in love. That's a hard yeah, bill to pay. Yeah, yeah. How to figure, <laughs> figure this out? And we're we're innov- innovating and and trying new things and trying to bridge gaps in ministry wise. But if there's one thing that that can be taken away from all this is this that it again I'm saying it again that parents have to be the priority in your ministry. Mm-hmm. If they are not, you're not going to be as effective. Yeah, they're not an obstacle to be removed. They're a resource to be leveraged. And we have to remember, technically, we are their resource because they're the parents, not us. Absolutely. Our our goals, all of our goals, should be partnering alongside Mm -hmm. parents, but not just partnering, but we're called as pastors to equip, Mm -hmm. equip those for the work of the ministry, Mm -hmm. equipping parents in the realm of discipling their kids and and pour and lovingly pouring into parents uh, in that process. Again, what that looks like is different in, co- in context by context, mm-hmm. but that should be be the goal. Yeah, and part of our equipping for me and you, Ryan, is by example because we both have kids, so um, we got to do what we can to model it for our people, not just for their sake as parents, but for the sake of our own children. Because I never want it to be said by my own kids that I was a pastor first and a father second. Because every pastor's kid I've ever talked to, um, I've asked them, your dad a pastor first or a father first? And every single time, without exception, 100% fail rate has been pastor first. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's depressing. Um, but we can be a part of that wave of change that um, elevates the family to where Christ wanted it to be. Uh, because that is the ultimate model of uh, Christ and his church. And so hopefully uh, this was an encouraging episode for you guys today. Um, We really appreciate you guys listening to it. Uh, Thank you for your patience waiting for us to drop another episode. Um, Ministry is ministry, man, Uh, but we appreciate you guys. If you haven't yet, please uh, head over to Apple Podcasts, leave a comment or star review. Uh, that will keep us near the top of the search results for people who are looking for um, fresh youth ministry content. And uh, if you'd like to hear us cover something on the podcast we haven't hit yet, or maybe rehash something that COVID ruined and we have to figure that all over again, uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can connect with us. We have a Facebook page, Youth and Culture Facebook um, page, and we also have a group. So if you're an active youth ministry worker, whether it's a youth pastor, a a youth worker, a small group leader, you're the game guy, you're the worship dude, whatever, um, join the group. And uh, as long as you're willing to abide by the group rules, which uh, can be summed up in love God and love others. Uh, (laughs) We'd love to connect with you there. Well, guys, stay tuned for our next episode.